Welcome to the Shalhaba Community Church Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by the following message. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you that we are here. We thank you for all you are doing through us, Lord. Thank you for the team from Vanuatu and we thank you for the city serve. Uh, Lord, we pray that today you, you speak to us because we came here to hear from you. And Lord, I pray that everybody who walk in today, you say something to them in just a few minutes that we're going to talk. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I struggle a lot with, with my English, but uh, I am so proud that I can speak. A few months ago, or maybe last year, I could not stand up and preach in English. Just last year. I, I could speak, but uh, I had a lot of difficulties because it's not my first language. I, I'm just starting to, to learn how to preach in English. And, uh, yeah, I used to ask myself a question, can I ever preach in English? The answer is, yes, I can. And if I can, you can too in, in French or maybe in another language. Yeah, so I struggle with uh, finding words, I mean the right words, but the Holy Spirit always gives me a word to put there. So I thank God for that. Yeah, so if uh, I say something you didn't understand, don't hold it against me. <laughs> uh, today I just want to talk about something I spoke about in Vanuatu. And uh, because we, we don't have enough time, I'll just talk briefly. Uh, my last message in Vanuatu on Sunday was uh, on prayer in time of trials. And I just want to talk a little bit. But I just want to share a little bit about it. You know, one thing I found difficult in my Christian life is to pray when I'm in trials. And when what I call trials is actually uh, when you find yourself surrounded with fear in your life. You find yourself surrounded with pains in your life. This has been the most difficult time for me to pray. Why? Because I, I, I'm controlled by fear. I'm controlled by the situation that is, is disturbing my life. And I feel like I, I, I'm not bold enough to stand up in prayer and pray. But on another hand, I've never seen such an amazing time like prayer in trial. If I've seen any successful or effective prayer, it is when people of God stand up and pray when the devil is not expecting them to pray. Because when you are surrounded with fear and problems, one thing the devil wants is for you not to pray. He wants you to quit. He wants you to run away. He wants you to say, I will never go to church. He wants you to say, God has failed me. I expected God to do this and he hasn't done it. I have prayed for so long and God has not responded. So, what the devil wants you to do at that particular time is to leave God and go. But when he doesn't see you go and you stand up, you face God, 
You begin to talk to God. You begin to pray. The devil packed up his staffs and leave you alone. Hallelujah. This has been my experience. I don't know about yours. But it has been my experience. That when, when I'm tried, when I'm in pain, when I feel like my word is, is falling apart, and I feel like I'm not strong enough to pray, and then I say, no, I just have to, at least have to pray. And then I just kneel down and begin to cry to God, begin to talk to God. I find it very effective. We're going to talk about a story, very familiar story in the Bible. And we just learn from that story. It's a story of Anna. I'll just, we just share a little bit about her and uh, learn a few things from her walk with God. Uh, the book of Samuel, chapter 1, verse 1 up to 8. We, we have to read the whole story because that's the only verse we're going to read today. The Bible said that there was a man named Elkanah from the tribe of Ephraim who lived in town of Ramah. In the hill country of Ephraim, he was the son of Je Jeroham and God's son of Elu, and belonged to the family of Tohu, apart from a part of the clan of Zu. Elkanah had two wives, Hannah and Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah did not. Every year, Elkanah went from Ramah to worship and offer sacrifices to the Lord. Each time Elkanah offered his sacrifice, he would give one share of the, uh, the meat to Penina and one share to each of her children. And even though he loved Anna very much, he would give her only one share because the Lord had kept her from having children. I want you to note that. The Lord had kept her from having children. Penina, had, uh, Penina, her rival, would torment and humiliate her. Take note of that. I want to repeat it. Penina, her rival, would torment and humiliate her because the Lord had kept, had kept her childless. This went on year after year. Whenever they went to the house of the Lord, Penina would upset Anna so much that she would cry and refuse to eat anything. Her husband, Elkanah, would ask her, Hannah, why are you crying? Why won't you eat? Why are you always so sad? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? One time after they had finished their meal in the house of the Lord at Shiloh, Hannah got up, got, got up. She was deeply distressed, and she cried bitterly as she prayed to the Lord, Meanwhile, Eli, the priest, was sitting in his place by the door. Anna made a solemn promise. Lord Almighty, look at me, your servant. See my trouble and remember me. Don't forget me. If you give me a son, I promise that I will dedicate him to you for his whole life and that he will never have his hair cut. Anna continued to pray to the Lord for a long time. And Ellie watched her lips. She was praying silently. Her lips were moving, but she made no sound. So Ellie thought that she was drunk. And he said to her, stop making a drunken show of yourself. 
Stop your drinking and sober rap. No, I'm not drunk, sir, she answered. I haven't been drinking. I am desperate and have been praying, pouring out my troubles to the Lord. Don't think I'm a worthless woman. I have been praying like this because I'm so miserable. Go in peace, Eli said, and may the God of Israel give you what you have asked him for. May you always think kindly of me, she replied. Then she went away, ate some food, and was so was no longer sad. She was not sad before she even got the son. This is a very familiar story. We all know this story. So I won't talk too much about it. Uh, she had this rival. She had two problems. One, she could not bear children. And two, she had Penina, who was there to make her feel the pain. She was there to remind her how failure she was. She was there to tell her that she was worthless. She doesn't deserve anything good. She will never do better. She was what she is, and nothing good will ever come out of Anna. And this was even worse than having children. This made her cry. This brought up pain into her lives. And this is what the devil does because Penina represents the devil. What the devil does is to remind us our mistakes, to remind us our failures, to remind us what God has not done so that we can do what? We can feel bad. We can feel sad. We can maybe commit suicide. Maybe give, give up on God. Maybe not continuing in serving God. And, you know, sometimes we fight the wrong enemy. I don't see anywhere where Anna confronted Penina. She didn't attack her. She, didn't see, she did not even fight her. All she had to do is to go to God and cry to God. I don't know if it was me what I would have done. Maybe I want to fight somebody. I don't know if it was you what you would have done. Maybe at least you make sure you quarrel with Penina. At least you, conf you confront her back so that she will not keep talking on you. But Anna did not do that. She understood that Penina is not her enemy. Penina is just being used by the enemy. Do you know sometimes the devil can use the, pe the people you love to hurt you? The devil can use the people you love. The people around you, even in the church. Sometimes the devil can use people to make you feel bad. I've seen a lot of people leaving the church just because somebody gossiped about them in a the church. I've seen a lot of people refusing to go to church. They pray at home because everybody at church is not a good person. People who go to church are hypocrites. So I decide not to go to church. I stay in my house. I'll be praying in my house. Because God is everywhere. Jesus can hear your praying in your house. It's okay. You can pray if you're in your house. But when you pray in your house and you refuse to go to church, the message you are sending to the church of Christ is that you are sinners and I am holy. And because I'm holy, I will never go where unholy people are. That is the message which we send to other believers. And we forget 
that the people in church are God family. And we are God people. So we are God family. We cannot separate ourselves from the family. And this is what the devil is doing in the church today. He tries to show people that the worst place to be is in the church, not in their home. And people prefer to be home, surrounded with themselves with, with the scriptures to support that. Oh, today, I wish God will speak to you to show you that whatever happened to you, it is not the person whom you saw doing it who did it. There is an enemy who is attacking you. But he can use anybody. The devil can use even me. The devil can use you. The devil can use somebody to make you feel worthless. To make you feel like you are not important. To make you feel like God has forgotten you. What you have to do is not to fight back. Because the Bible said the battle do not belong to us. The battle belongs to God. Once you choose to fight for yourself, God will step back. But when you let God fight for you, oh, he will bring victory. Hallelujah. Sometimes we don't want to God fight for us. We want to fight for ourselves. And when we lose, we start blaming God. You choose to fight. You think you are capable. You can handle the situation. You say, yes, I want to go and comfort them. I want to show them who I am. Why don't you go to God and let God show them who you are? Let God fight for you. Let God speak on your behalf. And then you will never cry again. Hallelujah. 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 This actually reminds me the War Room movie. The woman was attacked in her marriage. Her, husband, her, marriage, her marriage was falling apart. She was confused. She didn't know what to do. She tried to solve the problem. It didn't work. She did all the strategies to make her marriage work. It couldn't work. Until she, she knew the secret. That she was fighting the wrong enemy. She was confronting her husband a lot. Fighting her husband a lot to make her husband change. It didn't work. So she said, God, I surrender to you. She began to pray. She began to cry to God. And God fought for her. And God saved her marriage. The best place to cry is in God's presence. Sometimes I feel like it's worthless to show my tears to people. Sometimes. Sometimes I feel like it's not of very importance to show my tears. I feel like it's very much important to cry in God's presence. You don't know how much the prayers in tears will have impact in God's presence. How many times have you gone to God and cried for your case? When you go to see a counselor, you cry. You share a lot of tears in front of counselor. You show the counselor that you're in pain. But when you go to God, you just go for two minutes, one second maybe, five seconds. Ten. You say, God, I'm in this trouble. I really need your help, God. And you get out of God's presence. You go and have your coffee. When you go to see counselor, you are prepared. You are settled. You begin to explain yourself. You bring your emotions out. 
Your tears comes out. The counselor will see the real you. He will see what's happening in your inner life. But when we go to God, we don't expose our case to God. We don't bring it. We don't bring our heart. And this is what Anna did into. When he, she knew that enough was enough, she went to God and she was very serious than ever. The Bible, she was praying. Even the word will not come out properly. Tears, milk is coming out of her face. She didn't bother whether somebody was there looking at her or not. This is what I say. If you have not seen somebody praying for their problem, it's not a problem yet. When you have a problem and you are a child of God, you will pray about it. Because when I read my Bible from the beginning to the end, I saw every believer spending a lot of time in God's presence. If you read this scripture, the Bible said that Anna prayed for a long time. She went to pray for a long time. So she stayed there, exposed everything out, all her pain. She brought it out in God's presence. And the priest was sitting somewhere in the corner. And she said, this woman is drunk. She came, he came out just to stop her from being drunk in the house of God. And she said, I'm not drunk. I just have problems. And I thought I should come to God to tell God my problems. Who do you tell your problems? When you have problems, where do you go? Who do you call? Who is your emergency? Is it Jesus your emergency? Or the ambulance is your emergency? If something goes wrong at night and you are sleeping, who do you call first? We are children of God. We all know and we all tell others that God is able. But when we find ourselves in troubles, in problems, in fears, we are the last people to call God. If you call God first, he comes first. If you call him last, he comes last. So Anna exposed her problem. He cried to God and God listened to her. There are a few things I learned from Anna. I want to share with you the six, six things I learned from Anna. I call them six lessons. The first lesson was don't listen to what Satan talks about you. Satan will never say something good about you. When I say Satan, Penina represents Satan. So if somebody tell you you are a failure, you will never make it, this problem is impossible, you will never do well again. I had a friend who said, I think I'm just a failure because I broke my marriage. My marriage, my first marriage uh, was broken apart and I, I, that made my life very difficult. So I will never do well again. I said, brother, you need to ask God to forgive you because what you say about you will happen to you. Don't focus on what people say about you. Focus on what God say about you. Because if you listen a lot to what people say, you will always be disappointed. Nothing good the devil will see in you. You go to the doctor. They tell you in your family, everybody dies with breast cancer. It, that, uh, we call it a generation disease or curse, maybe. Why do we have to accept it? Come on, church. 
We are a redeemed church. Redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Once we are in Christ, all the past is gone. And everything is new. We don't need to accept it. If my father died with cancer, that was his problem. In this generation, I have to start claiming my life back to God. It's okay to hear what the doctor is saying, but don't get, take, take it in your heart. Go to prayer. Go to your room. Tell God, the doctor said we have a generational disease, but I reject it in Jesus' name. This disease is not mine. It doesn't belong to me. It will never belong to my children. I am redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. All the past is gone. Now things are new. If you believe it, it's yours. But if you reject it in faith, in prayer, it will go away. I gave a testimony how my father used to be a very angry person. Very angry. He's good man, but when he gets angry, he smashes things around. And when I was growing up, this anger was in me. I inherited this anger from my father. And I was humble. Very humble boy at school. But don't dare me. If you dare me, I will break your head. If I find that you are a very strong man, I cannot fight you. What I will do, I will wait in the dark. I will surround myself with the stones around me. When you are passing, you don't know something worse will happen to you. Then you have a brick on your head. You are bleeding. I feel good. I feel relieved after your head is broken. That was anger. And then one God said, I have chosen you, you will preach the gospel. I said, God, you have chosen the wrong guy. With this anger in me, one day I will just put my Bible down and punch somebody in the face. So I don't want to preach and break people's head. Because I will not stand it. But the time came where I realized that you can actually go to God. Pray about it. Reject it in prayer. Tell God, this is not my portion. I reject it in Jesus' name. I went to God and rejected anger into me. And since then, I never fought anybody. People can say whatever they say. People can tap me in the cheek. I don't care. I feel I'm satisfied with Jesus. Hallelujah. Do not listen to what the devil says. Always hunger to listen what God says about you. The next lesson I learned from Anna was don't try to run away from your trials because you could be running away from your destiny. Many Christians want to run away from trials. You want a shortcut. You want a happy life. You want things to be okay. So I have to run from my trials. You run from your trial, you run from your destiny. Because trial is part of our lives. Nobody in the Bible from Genesis to, uh, to Apocalypse who was never tried. Jesus himself was tried. People spitted on his face. God, people slapped him. He was naked on the cross, humiliated so that you and you can be saved. God is a very strong God. If you want to belong to God, if you want to be his army, we need to be a strong people. And the only way God can make us strong people is to go through trials. If you are just quitting the church because somebody gossips about you, 
What if somebody put a gun on your head and tell you to deny Jesus? What would you do? If you can just deny Jesus because you have disease, the doctor give you a bad report. What will happen if they put if you are, you are in Middle East? They put a gun on you, say, deny Jesus. God wants to be sure who belong to Him and who don't belong to Him, and we are tried in trials when things don't go well. Things will not always be okay. Sometimes things will go well. But what matters is our reaction, our response to the problem, toward God. Don't run away. Don't want a shortcut. Don't break your marriage because things are going wrong. Because once you break it, you go to another marriage, you start a fresh problem. You start to getting to know a new person. You start to fight another demon, maybe in the person. So it's not okay. It's still another problem. You're just starting. You run from this church, you go to another church. You find other people gossiping there. If you need a perfect church, you have to be perfect yourself. So if you're not perfect, don't expect another people to be perfect. Praise God. Hallelujah. And many people ask, why would God allow trials come to us? Let, we have the, the book of De Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 2 answers that question quickly. The Bible said Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 2 to 3. It says, remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert these 40 years. Who led them in the desert? God. To, why? Why would God do that? To humble you. One. And two. To test you. Why? Why would God test us? In order to know what was in your heart. Whether or not you will keep his command. And three, to teach you that man does not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. God chose not to take the children of Israel in a shortcut 11 days, I guess, from Egypt to the promised land. He took them 40 years in the wilderness. And they say, why would God do that? God said, I take you there to humble you, to know you, to know whether you will reject me in the wilderness or you will worship me in the wilderness. That will be the only reason. God wants to know your love. And for you to remove your love to God, God has to bring trials. I've been... Uh, doing chaplaincy in 2013 and 15 and sometimes I visit people in the hospital who are Christians and they say don't pray for me I don't want God I've been a Christian for 15 years 20 years and see I'm here in the hospital God has failed me sometimes God will let sickness come to you to test your love things will go wrong but how do you respond to it God wants to see your love. He wants to see you love him. The devil expects you to quit, to give up. Just the same way as the devil came, used uh, uh, Job's wife to tell the husband, insult God and die. Because God has let you down. He has failed you. Don't worship him. Why are you still praying to him anyway? Insult him, die. And he said, no. We cannot only receive good things from God without expecting even the bad thing. 
This is how I believe the church of Christ should be. Don't worship God only when things go wrong. Don't worship God just because things you are praying and God is answering your prayers. Worship God when things are going well and even when they don't go well. The third one is don't fight for yourself. Ask God to fight for you in prayer. If you want to fight for you, God will step back. But if you give God to fight for you, you will have victory. The fourth one is find a personal time in prayer with God. The same as Anna did. She had to organize a personal prayer. No husband, no children, no penina. Just her and God. Sometimes you need it. You need your own time. Without your wife, without your, your children, without your husband. Lock yourself somewhere. Pray to God. You need to make a sacrifice sometimes. Maybe you don't need to eat. Maybe you don't need to eat. Just show God how serious you are with your situation. Pray about it. And see if God will not open windows and doors for you. And also when we pray, we get revelation of what's happening around us. Sometimes the attack of the devil, it's not God's plan. You will not know if you don't pray. When you pray, God gives you revelation. Your battle is coming from this side. I remember one day I was in the refugee camp. And I, I felt a very strong headache. In the refugee camp, there's a, there's, there used to be a lot of witchcraft. There are a lot of it. Before the church came in. And I felt a very strange headache at 4 a.m. in the morning. I said, what is this? I was to preach in the afternoon. And I was bad. I felt like I was dying. I took panados, nothing was happening. I said, no, this is very strange. I went on my knees in, my, in front of my bed, and I prayed. I said, God, this is very strange headache. But I want you to show me if this is witchcraft or it's just a normal headache because this is very strange. And while I was still on my knees, I had some, I catch up some sleep. In my sleep, I saw a woman in my house. I know her. But you know, the things God show you in the spirit, you don't talk about them anyhow. If God did not ask you to talk about them. Otherwise, it will create a big problem. So I, I, I know that woman, and she was in my house with a lot of stuff. And she was packing everything she was leaving. And I asked her, why were you in my house? I said, I came to attack you, but to chase me away with your prayers. So I am leaving. So immediately, I knew it was a witchcraft. It was an attack on my life. When we pray, God may reveal to us what's happening around us. God will give us strategies on how to fight. When she was praying Anna, she even made a vow in prayer. So that was a prayer strategy. That God, if you give me a son, I will take that son. To, I, will give, I will give the child back to you. So the child will serve you. So prayer is very important. Personal prayer with God. Spend time with God. And you will see the hand of God. So that is the best way we can fight back. The church of today want to see more of God. But we don't want to spend more time with God. Maybe the last one. The fifth one was a, a prayer strategy. She made a vow. And the last one was she didn't lose hope. You know, our future is not determined by what people say or what Satan says. It's not determined by what doctor says. Or how your situation looks alike. Our future is determined by God.
Go to God and ask him about your future. Not what you think. Not what people say. Not what the doctors say. Oh, we don't have time. After giving you more testimonies. So, our future is determined by God. God knows your future. Sometimes you have teachers who are rude. They tell you you're very dumb. You'll never do well in life. I've seen teachers like that. That is teacher saying. It's not God saying. Sometimes you may have parents who will tell you. You are very stupid. You will always be stupid. That's parents saying, not God saying. Find out in prayer what God has for you. Because it is very different with what the word say about you. Deal with generational curses or disease in prayer. Go to your war room. Claim your life in Jesus' name. Reject those curses in prayer and don't lose hope. The Bible says when Anna finished that particular prayer, she didn't cry anymore. She wasn't sad anymore. So she developed hope in prayer. She believed that after that prayer, God will do something. And conclusion. The secret of our victory during trials is in prayer. Also, when we pray, we get comfort from the Holy Spirit. A Christian life without prayer is like a gun without bullets. Cannot remove fire. I don't know if you have tried that. You have a gun without bullets in it. It will scare the enemy, but it will never chase the enemy. So if we are Christian, without life of prayer, we are actually considered to be like a gun without bullets. The devil will attack us, we will never attack back. We just scare them with our faith, scare them with our belief, scare them with the word of God, but we will not be bold enough to confront him. We will not remove the fire. Romans Romans chapter 12 verse 12 said let your hope keep you joyful be patient in your trouble and pray at all times that was Romans let your hope keep you joyful your hope in God whatever you are hoping for after praying for something be hopeful and be joyful be patient in your trials which means Paul was telling the people being Christian does not immune us from trials. What we have to do is to be what? Patient. Then he said, pray at all time. Not just on Sunday. Pray at all time. May God bless you for listening to this short message.